Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The devastation that has hit Auckland and other parts of the North Island has left people reeling. Thousands are faced with enormous cleanup and repair efforts, while others will have to rebuild and possibly restart their lives and businesses. So how can people cope? what's needed to make sure people can get through. Kia ora, I'm Philippa Tolley and welcome to a Stuff Explained special looking at coping in a crisis. I'm joined by Jolie Wills, a psychosocial expert in disaster and disruption. She lived through the Christchurch earthquakes and worked with a quake recovery program for the New Zealand Red Cross and now runs a company supporting local communities hit by disaster. Welcome to Stuff Explained. What is your experience, apart from that ghastly time in Christchurch, is this an area you've worked in extensively? Absolutely. So Elizabeth and I, Elizabeth is my co-founder at Hummingly, we've worked in disasters all over the globe. So we often say that you know, our careers has quite literally been a series of disasters. But as you mentioned, I've also lived it firsthand. And so, you know, have that firsthand experience of, of what people and their, their families and their neighbours and communities are likely to be experiencing right now. So, you know, over the last year, Elizabeth and I have been supporting communities from, you know, floods in Buller to fires in Boulder, Colorado. Colorado, um, and just having that that right advice and the tools and the information um, from people who have been there before, it can be a real game changer. So from your experience, obviously the absolute number one is safety. People need to make sure they're safe and those around them are safe. But what advice can you offer those people who will be feeling super desperate at the moment? I just... To be understanding and really kind um, on themselves and each other because they can be expecting a huge range of emotions, a huge range of reactions. Um, you may be really surprised by the reactions that you have or that you see in people around you. I and mean, there's everything from emotions running high. Um, you know, it's really normal to be feeling anxious and a whole lot of other things. Um, you know, you'll feel a lot in your body as well, right through from sleeplessness to stress showing up in all sorts of ways physically um, and just the magnitude of what's happened, the loss and disruption to life can be hugely overwhelming. Um, so just know that you can expect a huge variation in how people react and that is super normal and totally okay. Um, so people you know that, that you think may need support you know, around you that you'd expect to need support may be really rock steady and others that you don't expect may seem wobbly and again that's all really normal. So just to be super understanding you know people all come to a flood event with very different life experiences and we're all carrying different amounts with what's already going on in our lives so um also to know that if you wear the emotions of others you know there's a lot of that going around at the moment that's very normal then it's it's most likely a projection of of their grief um and what is happening for them and it's not really directed towards you because for those who aren't affected within Auckland or some of the other areas that have been hit as well, or for those in other parts of New Zealand, they sort of feel um, there's nothing we can do or we'll be getting in the way. Is there something that people can do? What should they be doing to help if they can't literally be there and, and help to shovel out mud or repair a fence? 
Their support is so vital. Like, don't underestimate, you know, what you can do from afar. Um, and there's a few things. I mean, the first thing I would say is to listen because people need to talk and to process. So they'll often talk about their experiences. They may not, they most likely don't need your fixes. They just need you to listen. So that's a really important thing to be able to provide that listening ear so that people can talk through what it is that they've gone through that will help them process you know, what it is that they've experienced. Um, and that's really important. But not to pull that out of people, not to pull information, let them do that at their pace, um, you know, when and, and how it's needed. Um, the other thing to know is that very small acts, you know, of, of kindness, generosity, support um, now and over time are going to make a real difference just for people to feel cared about um, from afar. I think that's, that's really important. And lastly, I would say be ready to be there for the long haul. Um, you know, to be there after the lights and sirens have gone because this is going to be a, a long haul for people who are affected and it's very normal for people to feel forgotten over time by people who are you know, outside the area and don't have the same understanding of, of what it is that people are experiencing. So be prepared to be connected and providing support um, over the long haul for someone, not just in the next you know, few days and weeks. This is the situation some people have experienced flooding before. For some, it was such a huge and widespread event, it will be a new experience. Is there a sort of mental checklist that people can go through after they've made sure that people are safe and those really crucial first up things that they can just check off and go through and give themselves a bit of structure about how to even begin to handle it all? Absolutely. Um, and I think it's to keep things as simple as possible. So firstly, to remember um, to check in with others and to see if they need support but also to reach out for support for yourself too. Um, so that connection and support is really important because we know from disasters, you know, previously from all over the globe, um, from all the research and experience, it's people who stay connected with each other, with others, you know, who've been through something and they lean on each other. They're the ones that do better in the long run. So definitely prioritize that connection and support. Reach out for it yourself if you need it to, you know, don't be afraid to do that. But connection and support would be the first first piece. The second one is to know that, you know, adrenaline is going to be really flowing at this point. And that adrenaline drives you towards action, um, towards trying to get as much sorted as quickly as you possibly can. And Adrenaline is pretty amazing that way, but it can also make everything feel very urgent. Um, and one of the things we see is that recovery from an event like this is a really long haul. So it's a marathon, not a sprint, as they say. And that means conserving your energy. So, you know, and that can feel really difficult to do when adrenaline is pushing you hard. Um, but just trying to remind yourself it doesn't all need to be sorted today, you know, and done in one day um, or in one week or one month, but just trying to conserve that energy as you go. So first connection and support. Second is to try and conserve your energy and, and set yourself up for the long haul. Um, and thirdly, adrenaline really affects our ability to take on and process information. That's really normal. It's, it's part of our biology. And at this moment, people have got a lot of information coming their way. And so have a notebook, you know, have a notebook or a very easy system for yourself because later you'll be wondering, you know, when things happened, what really was said, where do I find that information again? So, you know, have a notebook um, and document things along the way. Take photographs, um, you, know, do, you know, just basically to be documenting things as you go um, and, and having a way to help take on 
the information and process it when you're able. And that connectedness that you mentioned there, it's quite a New Zealand thing, isn't it, to say other people are worse off than myself. We know people have lost their homes. Sadly, sadly, there's been loss of life and people will think, look, this is quite minor. I don't need help. And we saw that play out of the Christchurch earthquakes. We see it play out after every disaster we work in. The stoic kind of nature that we have, which, you know, it does stand us in good stead, you know, because because we, it's quite amazing. We have a lot of resilience. We have um, a lot of agency as people. We'll, we'll do amazing things to support each other in the communities and to drive our own recovery. And we shouldn't underestimate all of that. But just to remember, it's those that are reaching out for support, who are connecting with others, offering support, those are the ones that are going to do best in the long run. So from your experience, is there a tendency of things that people do in a rush? You know, they've got that adrenaline going through them. They think they have to do it now. And then they go, oh, goodness, I wish I hadn't done that. Then what are the typical mistakes that people make just because of the situation they're in? So a a couple of things. One is because it's all coming at us so quick and fast and adrenaline is really pressuring us to take action, we often find that people can make rushed decisions, you know, and um, this is the time where a lot of the decisions you're making are going to be very life-changing. They're going to shape your future. And, you know, when you've got adrenaline flowing, your brain's often not in the best space to be making really, you know, considered, um, careful, thoughtful decisions. So, you know, not to rush those decisions. To, it's it's okay if it takes a bit longer, if it means that you get a better outcome for yourself and you're making decisions with, you know, um, a lot of consideration. So one, you know, don't rush those decisions. The other one is, you know, you end up with this huge to-do list. It's like your life admin is supersized after a disaster and the to-do list will seem overwhelming and you'll just absorb yourself in the to-do list. I'm speaking from experience, right? And one of the things we often find is people come out the other end of that to-do list, you know, many months and maybe years later, and they suddenly pop their head up and realize that in the meantime that they may have really... um, neglected their relationships, you know, potentially the time spent with kids, their health. And so, you know, being driven by those practical lists of things to do, um, often we can we can neglect the things that are actually most vital in our lives. So just to, to keep an eye on the things that are really important to you in your life as you go through the process. And you've written about leadership and chaos. What role does leadership at times like this, you know, we're still in the middle of a crisis, but, you know, in the weeks, months and years to come, what helps people? Um, it helps people to to remind them of the agency that they do have. So to be, you know, super encouraging and allow for the actions that people need to put in place to, you know, write their lives in the way that they need to. So allowing for some space um, and acknowledging that, people affected by disaster, they're, they're not blank slates, right? We all come to it with life experience and we all come to it with, you know, our own agency and ability to to be able to act, um, to really support ourselves and each other. So to remember that people affected by disaster aren't, you know, vulnerable in the way that um, they're helpless, right? So to remember that people affected by disaster, you know, have huge agency and they will do, they'll move mountains, you know, within a community to support each other. And to, so just to remember that, I think, first of all, that people aren't helpless, 
The second thing is that at this stage, it's it's very normal for leaders and the huge amount of, um, you know, goodwill, emotion, adrenaline, you know, the the massive outpouring of support and energy at this stage to make promises that they really do mean, but actually in the in the long, you know, time that will follow, people may actually find as leaders that they've made promises that are actually very difficult to keep. And those promises made with really great intent at this point can actually add more grief um, and loss and and further complicate people's recovery journeys. So to be really careful about, you know, the expectations and promises that you're making, even from the best of an intent at the stage as leaders, um, in case there are things that you find in the long run, uh, you know, that you've promised that um, cannot be fulfilled. Really bringing, you know, that hope to people, I think is very important, a very calm approach and really staying connected to those that are affected to listen and understand their needs. Thank you. That's been brilliant. Thank you very much for your time. That's Joel Wells from Hummingly. It's been great to speak to you. That's it for this episode of Stuff Explained. I'm Philippa Tolley. On behalf of producer Jono Williams, thanks for listening. You can find more Stuff Explained online at stuff.co.nz and make sure to like and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Is there anything you'd like explained? So do drop us a line at stuffexplained at stuff.co.nz. But for now, ka kite anō. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You'll also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.